The scripture readings today come from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, and Romans, chapter 8. Please follow along as we read these passages printed in your bulletin. By the law, then, it was added because of transgression, having been ordained for angels by the agency of the mediator, until the seed would come to rule the prophets that he made. Now, a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law, then, contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would have indeed been based on the law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. And from the book of Romans we find this. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but his Son. And if a son, then an heir through God. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by, are, by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things, to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? For you have not received a spirit slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption of sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God. And fellow heirs of Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. This is the reading of God's word. Four, three. Yeah, that's pretty good. Four, three. 
Hey, we are uh, we're going to attempt something that uh, I've been kind of praying about and thinking about for eight years now. You know, one of the things that is exciting to me about being a pastor is that I get to be a part of everyone's journey. That whether you know or not, it's to me is one of the most exciting things for me is just to hear your stories and hear God step into your stories and see the struggles. Even though I know that isn't a fun thing, but to see how God is faithful in the struggles and how he brings you through things in life. And to me, that is, that's, that's amazing. And I realize even as I hear your stories and you share these things, I see where God's taking you on this journey of life, that you get to hear our stories as a family, as a Miller family. And one of our commitments, if any of you know, Christina or I, for any period of time, you know that one of our commitments is to, to be as real as possible in front of the congregation. Of, well, this is the community. It's a family. So we say this is our family also. And in our family, we value realness and authenticity uh, more than almost anything. And so I think that you probably maybe receive too much realness from us sometimes. <laughs> but as I think about that, you know, just our hope is that you see that we are on a journey also and that, uh, that we, we, we are broken and we desperately need Christ. We desperately need the gospel. We desperately need grace. And, and so as we go on this journey as a family with you guys as our family, uh, we share parts of that journey with you. And an interesting part of that journey, or uh, I think one of the most exciting parts of that journey, uh, happened in, on May 5th, 2003 in our life as a family. And so I'm gonna, uh, we're going to talk about that really briefly. So I'm going to get my date here. And... Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, Becca, can you um, can you introduce yourself to the to the one more church family? I'm Becca. I'm Kevin Miller. I'm nine years old, and I'm born in Hunter. Born in Montana is a very interesting name for a person born to call Joe, right? Where did that Montana come from? Um, so Rebecca, as we talk about this adoption today, and people probably know that you're adopted because you look different than me, right? A little. Uh, you're much more nice looking than I am. Uh, would you share with the family, the church family, our family, just uh, how you came to be about, how you came to be a woman? My parents wanted to adopt me, so they went to home Joe and came to get me, and I was in Joe's side. We heard that in China, that the most beautiful girls are in home Joe. That's what my students can't do. So if you, want to learn, if you want to get a beautiful wife, go to home Joe. If you want to learn Mandarin really well, you go to home Joe. There's a mixture of Beijing Wan and I'm, but, uh, and can you share? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what is your favorite thing about being a Miller besides your cool dad? <laughs> um, I don't know because there's so many. So many things. What would it be? What, how would you? What would be one of the things that you enjoy about our family? I have a fun family. You enjoy family. And. <laughs> I'm asking her many more questions than we talked about. So she's going to beat me up later. But um, 
<laughs> do you know? Do you know that your dad is crazy about you? How do you know that? Okay, so one last question. If you could uh, share anything about yourself to the Watermark family, uh, what would you like to share? I'm awesome. <laughs>
adoption. And I realize, even as I share today, that there are people in here who have very many, many different views on what adoption is, what it means. Some of you are coming from it from a cultural standpoint. Some of you are coming from personal experience. Some of you are coming from struggles. And, and so I want to be uh, sensitive to that as we pray about this and think about this. But the Bible just says that we, we are all on this, this journey. And the Bible says that we're all orphans. That we're all lost. And when you read the Bible, it's amazing how many people who are adopted stick up and pop up into the Bible. I mean, there's some amazing, powerful, and important people. Esther, uh, she entered a beauty contest, and she ended up being the queen of Persia. And God used her to save her people, the people of God from annihilation. Moses, Moses was taken from a river, and he saved people, God's people from bondage and slavery in Egypt. Jesus, Jesus hung on the cross. We're told there in Scripture that God forsook him for us. And because of his orphanness, or being orphaned at that time, his death and separation brings us to God. One day as I was studying and reading, I realized that I was adopted at the age of 10. And in summer of 1973, I was adopted into a new family. I continued to live with my biological family until I went off to college, but I, I was adopted. And the passage today in Galatians is a very interesting passage, and there's many of them on adoption. Paul wrote the book of Galatians around 48 AD to a group of people who were adopted. But these people had other men come into their congregation and start telling them things like, you're really not adopted. You're really not adopted yet. There are some things you still need to do. There are some things you still need to experience. There are some things you still need to allow happen to you before you can truly be adopted. And when you read the scripture, you realize that from the very beginning to the very end, that there are actually only two, two families in the Bible. When you read the scripture from the very beginning, from the very end, you, you realize that there are only Two fathers, two types of sons in the world, two types of heritage. And these men came into the church in Galatia. They were called Judaizers. And they told the people of God who were adopted that you're not really adopted because there are certain things you need to do to finalize your adoption. You're kind of like half adopted. But you're not fully adopted. And the people began to worry and struggle, and they didn't know what to do. They... they they didn't know what to do, and they, they were starting to go back to their old family, their old life, the family that they were in before they were adopted. And Paul wrote the book of Galatians, and he says, no. No. And once you're adopted, you are adopted. There's no such thing as being half adopted. It's like being half pregnant. You, you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. You're either adopted or you're adopted. And so Paul writes this book of Galatians, which is a powerful book, in uh, one of his earliest books to tell us what it means to truly be adopted. And actually what Paul says in Galatians is, you're adopted. Why aren't you acting like it? 
You're adopted. You're in a new family. How come you don't look like your dad? Because you should. I have a couple pictures here. Uh, this is the first picture. We can put up the slide. This is Rebecca. This is Rebecca like five minutes before she came into our family. So this time Rebecca was in another family. And it was a long journey for us living in Nanjing and trying to adopt Rebecca in the middle of SARS. And just, it seemed like every obstacle got thrown in front of our way. And there was a time I almost just wanted to give up. I mean, I, but there's something in me that drove me and says, we need this kid. We need to bring them into our family. We need to redeem them. Later date, I'll share some of our journeys, Christina and I, as we, we came about this together at, at different stages in life, but we both got put upon our heart to adopt. The next picture is, just really quickly, is just, this is the article. This is one of the articles that we received when we adopted her. It was stamped, and also we got this article, and it said, this and other documents, that she, she's ours now. That she's coming to our family, and she has a new identity and a new person. She has new parents. The next picture is that moment after we adopted her. Now she's a Miller. And we were incredibly proud. We were Last night we were watching home videos. So we got out the home videos last night. Every kid watched their birth video. Every kid watched the adoption video. And we, we stayed up past their bedtime because the kids want to watch a birth video or Rebecca's adoption video. And in the hotel, we're running around waiting for her. And when she comes in, all the kids are screaming. There's, there's two of them, Kip and Rachel, and they're screaming. And we, we had just been waiting for her for so long gave everything to get her. The next picture is just a document that says that she's ours. It was a legal document. You and I are never going to see the original. The original one is sealed away someplace safe, hopefully. But that document says that she's ours now. She's officially ours. The next picture is a picture of our family. You know, we cannot even imagine what it would like to be like without having Rebecca in our family. I mean, I can't even fathom what that would be like, because she is just us, and who we are. And she's fully adopted, and she's a Miller. I want to look at the passage today really quickly, and I want to look at four things in this passage. I think the passage in Galatians and Romans tells us four things about ourselves. It tells us our, our finalization. It tells us we have a father. It tells us we have a family. And it tells us we have a future. And the first thing that sticks in there is that Paul shares with us as adopted children that we are final. That there is no but you're half adopted. There's a finalization. If you look at verses 25 through 27, Paul shares in Galatians and and in Galatians 3 and 4, that you are sons of God. You are the sons of God. You have clothed yourself with Christ. You are in the family. You used to be in the family of Adam, a family that was separated from God, that walked in darkness, that was under the law, that was in bondage, that didn't care about Christ. But now, you are. You're with Christ. That there's nothing that can take you from God. It's finished. You have been adopted into God's family. Now, the Roman culture was a very interesting culture because they, they held adoption very highly. <coughs> and there were a lot of rules in the Roman culture about adoption. And it was a very 
intense legal process, but the rules were strict in Roman adoption, and the rules said that once you adopted a child, it was final. You could not unadopt a child. And once you stood before the judge in a Roman court of law, and you said, this is my child, and you've made a defense of why this kid should be yours, that they are yours forever. And Paul tries to use this imagery to the Galatians and to assure them and to affirm that there's nothing they can do to lose their salvation. There's nothing they can do to be unadopted. Stop worrying, because the words that say are, all, have, they all tell us that we have a new identity. When Christina and I adopted Rebecca, I had a fear. And my fear was that I didn't do all the right things, all the right people. And there was a lot of paperwork. One country just wanted a lot of money, and one country just wanted a lot of paperwork. And there was a lot of paperwork. <laughs> I won't say which is which. <laughs> um, but I just had this fear that I didn't turn in the right paper. I didn't get the right thing done. We didn't get the time. There's sometimes that everything got erased, and we had to start all over because of these new rules that happened. And I, I slept in this panic. It's like you, you after you graduated from college for three years, and all of a sudden you wake up and you go, I've missed my exam. <laughs> well, you've graduated. And I was just waiting and waiting and waiting for that final paper that said, she is ours. And there were times afterwards I woke up in the middle of the night thinking I forgot to do something. What if they come and take her away? It's the scripture says, and Paul says to the people of God, that that will never, ever happen because you are in Christ. You have a new identity, you've been clothed. And the crisis and everything. Finalization. Paul shows us in this, in this passage that as adopted children, we have a father. And we've talked about fathers before, and I know that it's a very difficult topic for some of us. I've shared my journey with my dad. But he uses the words in here, which are very powerful in verses 26 and 27, not only does he say all are, he says sons of God. And this sons of God has nothing to do with gender. Sometimes as pastors we read this and we think, well, I've got to add in there sons and daughters of God. And that's cool, but that's not what it means at all. What it means is a term of intimacy. It means that you have a personal relationship with God. Now this is very powerful because no one in the Old Testament would say this. And when Jesus came forward, he said, you are sons of God. I mean, no other religion would say this, that we have a personal relationship with God, that we have this potential to be intimate to him. And the men came into the church, and they were saying to the people, hey, you're still under the law. And you need to do this, 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 and this. You guys aren't performing just right. You've, you've, you've done 340 of those laws, but you haven't done 346 of those laws, and you're not really adopted and Paul says, no, you're sons of God. That word Abba is the first word that a baby learns in Aramaic and Jewish culture. And it's very, very intimate. It's only used three times. It's used in this passage and used in the Romans passage. And it's used when Jesus is praying to God. And it's this idea that God is there and he can hear and he understands and he will do everything for you. It's just like if Rebecca was there and Rebecca were to ask me something, can you do this for me? There's almost nothing that I would not do for her. And this Galatians passage tells us that God is a God who loves you 
who is your new father, and he will do everything for you. In the Roman court, you would go up in front of it, and the minute that you were adopted, four things happened, and one of those things I've already shared, but the second thing would happen is that your whole old life was taken away. That everything about you in your past was taken away. That if you were adopted and you tried to go back to your old company or your old business or your old family, you would have no say there. That all your debt was taken away. Now some of you are thinking, how can I adopt myself here? But everything was taken away. All your debt, all your penalties, all those things were taken away and you received a new father. Romans 8.16 here says that Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. In 15, we cry out, Abba, Father. And it's this imagery again that God, when we came into his family, he gives us his spirit, and the spirit continually inside of us tells us that we are children of God. In the Roman court, once you finished the adoption, the dad signs off, seven men would stand up, and they would testify to everyone around that this new child is no now in this new family. And it's the same imagery that Paul uses here, that when we come into the family, the Holy Spirit testifies to us. The Holy Spirit testifies to everyone that we're now in the family of God. It's always there speaking to us. It's always there talking to us. And you guys, you've got to understand this, because in Jesus' world, who your dad was, was everything. I mean, who you were and what you did was determined by who your dad was. I mean, who your daddy is, is everything. You just read Matthew, so-and-so begot so-and-so, so-and-so, Genesis, so-and-so begot so-and-so, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, uh, Joshua, the son of none, Jesus, the son of God. Think about that when you wake up tomorrow, if you're in the family of God, and you look in the mirror, and you say, Chris, the son of God. John, the son of God. Susan, the son of God. What would that mean to you? I mean, I read the newspapers today, and there's a lot of fighting over inheritance and who belongs to who, and, and we're always struggling over these things. <clears throat> but here, this passage tells us that we belong to God. He's our dad. That means everything. I don't know if it's a Western thing, but when I grew up, we always got in fights in the playground. And we usually got in fights over who our daddy was. Now, you can say anything about a person's dad, but if you say something about their mama, then it's a fight. But usually you would see, like, little kids get together and say, well, my dad, my dad's a pilot. My dad's a soldier. My dad's a doctor. My dad's a banker. No one ever say banker, but... <laughs> but you would get in a fight over that. Because who your dad was meant everything. <laughs> Can you imagine standing on the playground and say, my dad is good. <laughs> that kind of trumps everything, doesn't it? 
You say after that. You know that's true? As you're walking through life and things are getting hit, hit you and hit you and hit you, you think, but then it's not. As you're in work and you're, you're being tempted to do unethical things and things are a lot of pressure, like that, it's not. As you feel troubled and tempted and hurt, but no one is on your side. In the Roman culture, who your daddy was, was everything. And Paul says, as God's children, you and I, our daddy's God. Paul goes on and he tells us that as adopted children of God, we have a new family. That we've been transferred from the old family where we were called enemies and indifferent to God and where we were slaves, verse 7 and 8 and 9, tells us over and over again that we were slaves. We were slaves to elemental things. The, the, the word in Hebrew <coughs> actually means demons. But before we knew God, that we were enslaved to demonic forces. <laughs> And things that were simple and tried to draw us away from the family that we're supposed to be into, into our old family. Paul says over and over again that you have a new family, you have a new community. The Bible says that to us over and over as adopted children. In the Roman culture, the dad goes before the judge. He makes this legal case to justify why he should have this kid. The judge hits his hammer and he says, vindicatio. It's the word we get vindicated from. And it means from now on, this kid is vindicated. But all things about them, all the old things, all the terrible things, all the things they did, all the mistakes, all those things are vindicated, they're done with. And when I look at them, they're new. They have a new family. They don't have the old debts, they don't have the old obligations, they don't have the legal ramifications in their lives. They don't have things they had to do. The sin that so easily entangled them, they don't have to do that anymore because they're vindicated. And God gave them a new family. A new creation. It was amazing to see Rebecca when we brought her into our house. We brought her into our house and she just sat there. She didn't know what to do. She had been in a playpen for over <coughs> almost a year. She couldn't crawl. She could stand up if we held her. But she was so used to her old surroundings and who she was that in the new house, she didn't know even how to act. And she just sat there sometimes. And Paul is sharing to us, he's sharing to the Galatians, that as we enter into this new family, we have a new relationship with all those around us, and we don't have to wonder, well, how do I act? I used to act this way. What does it look like now? And the Spirit of God tells us that. That we have a new family, and we don't have to worry anymore. It's interesting, in this old uh, Roman adoption process, the price to pay, the dad paid, was incredibly high. And when the dad wanted to adopt a kid, he paid an amazingly high price. And everyone 
knew that. And that was transferred to that kid as their work. When we look at the scriptures, we realize that as we were orphans, God vindicates us. The price he paid to do that was amazingly high. It was his son. Paul shows us his adopted children that we have an amazing future ahead of us. Verses 24, verses 7, says that you are heirs. That you're to Abraham's descendants that mean that the minute you become into the family of Christ, that you're descendants of God, that you're heirs, you're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand what it means to be an heir of God? It means that everything that God has is yours. You understand what it means to be a co-heir of Jesus Christ? It means that Jesus is your brother. That everything your brother has, you have. When the Roman law was really strict, when you got adopted into that family, you were a child of that family. You had equal rights to all the inheritance. Sometimes you had more rights to the inheritance than the biological kids did. Because your father went so far out of the way to grab you and to get you and to bring you into the family that you were even treated as even more special. Paul tells the people here, you don't need to worry about your future because everything that God has, you have. Everything that he has is at your disposal. You're heirs of Abraham. You're descendants of his. Abraham was given the promise of everything. You're heirs of God. You have a future, you can cry out to God, and you don't need to worry about your inheritance. And in the Old Testament, inheritance was everything. Which is why it's so difficult for Abraham to leave his family, to leave his future and his flock and everything, the land that was given to him. He left it all. That's why his faith is so amazing, because in that culture, no one would ever do that. But he left it all to go to a new inheritance. And in this passage, Paul is telling the church of Galatia, he's telling us, Hey, you have a new inheritance. You're adopted, and this inheritance is eternal. Have you ever thought about that? We take Rebecca, we take her out of the crib. We love her. And then one more day she goes, you know, I want to go back to the crib. I want to go back to the Think, man, it's, it's pretty obvious that kid doesn't understand just what's happened here. The new family didn't get it, but they didn't have an old family. You know, the scripture says that same thing is true of you and me. That we live life today on this earth, and this life on this earth is our crib. We try to add things in our cribs and buy things and do things and get things. And, and I'm just as guilty as you guys are, everybody. And God looks at us and goes, hmm, I'm about to give you heaven. I'm about to give you a galaxy 
I'm about to give you planets. I'm about to give you things I've created you hadn't even seen yet. And you go, I'm going to go back to the crib. Because this place right here, this is my home. I feel safe here. Paul tells the church of Galatia, don't do it. Because your inheritance is everything. God is going to give you after you leave this world. What you have in this world pales in comparison to what you're going to get. Because you're the enemy. Because you're God's son. God's son. sense. I struggle with that all the time. And I wonder why I spend so much effort buying and building and getting things in this life to make my life comfortable right now. And what Galatians tells us, what God tells us is that this inheritance that you're about to get pales in comparison to what you have. The new body that you're about to get, the one that's dying right now of cancer, it pales in comparison to what you're going to get. That 13 month bonus, the new house you're going to buy, the new car, the new watch, whatever it is, that pales in comparison to the inheritance God's going to give you. A car, a plane, a watch, a galaxy. People in Paul's day forgot that. And sometimes we as adopted people forget that also. Some final thoughts, and we're going to close here. One final thought is this as I've been thinking of this is that we don't adopt ourselves. We don't write out the terms for our adoption. Our adoption is through God's choice, through God's love, through God's mercy, through God's grace, through God's extreme sacrifice. Rebecca had no idea that we were adopting her. She probably still didn't even know it after the first year. Well, she understands it now, what it means to be in this new family. But the scripture says that God is behind the scenes. He's working, he's changing, he's doing, and he's working in your life right now, and you don't even realize it. Because his desire, his number one desire, is to adopt you and bring you into his family. Second thought is we have a choice. As God's people, we, we always have this choice. Our choice is, are we going to walk uh, with our new adopted father, or are we going to walk in our old life? It's what Paul was writing to the Galatians about. He's saying, hey, be careful. Make sure that you look like your dad. Make sure that you act like your dad. Make sure you talk like your dad, because this is your heritage. I mean, even as I share this right now, I realize there are some, some of us in here probably who accepted Christ a while back in our lives, but, you know, we never really understood what it meant to be adopted. We look and act just like our old family. We don't take on the characteristics of our new family, God's family. We depend on the elemental things to give us meaning and purpose and happiness and wealth and goodness. And Paul tells the church, he tells us that if we do that, 
we become slaves. And if we do that as God's children, if we go back to the play pen, we become slaves. And if we become slaves, we, we miss out on God's purpose and plan for our life. If we become slaves, it becomes tiring. Because we try so hard to live in both worlds. Too much energy. Too hard. If we become slaves, we miss out everything that God has in store for us. And if you're one of those people today that invited Christ into your life, that if someone were to look at you and say, I can't tell what family you are. You don't look like your dad. My prayer for you and for me is that we would understand for the first time just how much God gave for us. That we would understand what Christ did when he adopted us. And that we would come before the Lord and we would just confess our sin and ask him to change us. That we would get involved in a community group. That we would start praying. That we start reading God's word. That we start acting and looking like children of God. And that we be careful of the elemental things. Now, I'm not saying those things are bad. What I'm saying is if you put your hope in those things, they become an idol that's going to leave your soul empty. <clears throat> if you're here and you haven't been adopted yet, you're still asking questions about what it means to be a Christian, my prayer for you is exactly the same thing, is that you would... Ask your friends. You would come talk to me and the other staff. You would examine Jesus' claims. You would understand who he is, and you would understand the great price and sacrifice he paid to bring you into your life, into the family. Then you would understand how much he wants to adopt you and bring you into his family. And you would do that this week. Then you put your faith and your trust in Christ and allow him to change you and bring you into his family. I realize as I talk, I've been made fun of because sometimes I make up new words. <laughs> I realize as I talk that I'm not very PC sometimes. I don't know all the politically correct terms about adoption. To be honest, they, they change very frequently. Sometimes you can say this, sometimes you can't say that, and, and you, 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 you get messed up sometimes. I don't know all those things. I'm sure that I offended somebody in here. And if I did, I apologize. But I want you to know how much I love Rebecca. What I did is bring her into our family. How I'm so happy that she came into our family. And I want you to know that what God did for you right now, that God's love and God's pursuit of you pales. In comparison to my love and my pursuit. Thank you. God loves you so much. And He wants you to understand that you're in the family. And He wants you to walk like that. Christ. Came an orphan for you. 
Christ hung on the cross. He was forsaken by God. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> he was orphaned so that us as orphans could come into his family. That's how much God knows us. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your mercy and your grace in our life. I pray for every one of us in here that we would just begin to understand a little more about adoption and what it means. Father, I pray that we would begin to understand just a little bit more about how crazy you are for us and how you, <laughs> you waited eternity we waited three years for Rebecca, and you waited eternity past for us. Father, help us to understand that. Help us to see your love and your sacrifice. Help us to see as your children that we are fully adopted, we're not partially adopted. That we have a finalization, we have a father who loves us, we have a family that cares for us, and we have a future and inheritance which we can't even imagine right now. As we walk with you, Lord, the only thing I can just say to you is we praise you. We thank you that you didn't give up on us. That you pursued us and you pursued us and you pursued us. Even when we ran away. That we might come into your family as your new children. And be called the sons of God. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in your son, Jesus.